Welcome back to the boys' Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh Schaefer, here with my other co-host, Sloan Schaefer. How's it going, Sloan? It's going well, Josh. Um, it's been a good week. Thursdays, I actually start looking forward to them every two weeks since I know I get to hopefully talk to you about fantasy football and watch some Thursday night football and just have a relaxing time. I will say uh, the bi-weekly cadence, it is confusing that bi-weekly can mean either twice a week or once every two weeks. I think... Uh, it can mean, it can mean either one i'm pretty sure i i know because we there's this report in the state of indiana that business entities have to file and you file it every two years and everybody says it's biannual and it's not it's biennial (laughs) bi hyphen e not b hyphen a it's very strange but i get what you're saying do we have something like that for bi-weekly too there's gotta be something bi-equally yeah, exactly. By Akeley. This is by the by Akeley episode <laughs> of the Boys Dynasty Fantasy Football League podcast with Josh and Sloan. Regardless. From the Schaefer clan. <laughs> I can say it's really helped me this year to only have to do it once every two weeks. I was so pumped last week when I got to hear Brian, Matt, and Mike talk about the blockbuster trade. Mm-hmm. That was, oh, I was so excited to hear them hear the you know three non-playoff teams talk about what it's like to see an actual competitor build a team yeah it's nice listening to somebody else talk about the league we talked about this earlier this season we do the podcast but we don't really listen to our own episodes because we already experienced it there's nothing new that we're going to hear but the episodes with brian and matt those are really nice and last week was great with mike yeah i agree i I can say though the ones where we've been kind of chit-chatting more i have been listening to those a little bit yeah just because I don't know, I I feel like it's fun to appreciate the conversation that we have. Yeah, uh, like we were just talking about before this money and home buying and things like that, which I think is very uh, interesting and important for sure. Yeah, Sloan, you said you're you visited a lender today to start kind of. Did you go to an actual bank? Like, did you put a nice suit on and shave your head? And so this is a little. I, I need to do a little more research because it, and I'm not going to name it. For whatever reason, if you ask me off the pod, I try to be conservative with this podcast, and I don't. Hey, like we need endorsing. to. We need to. Yeah, we need a sponsor. They need to pay exactly. us. Exactly, going to mention them. Yes. Exactly, which is something I was just talking to Becca about. That um, <laughs> we need to get some money rolling in this season. What our revenue record was? What five dollars or maybe four twenty-five last year after fees. So yeah, we, we're we losing thirty dollars a year on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, but we will. I think we will break even by the end of next season. We just <laughs> got to get the ball rolling. We'll get it. Um, but it was a, uh, it was like a mortgage. Bro- I think they were like a broker, honestly. Okay. Um, but it was no, it was not a bank. They were in Carmel and just met with a guy and talked to us about where things are at right now and stuff like that. It really, for me, I mean, I have already done the math on everything, as you can imagine. So it was just getting some hard numbers from him in terms of where interest rates are at uh, and what interest rates they can get. But uh, I think it was good for Becca to be there and just to establish the relationship. Um, so, yeah, it was good. Yeah. And I already I, I called Mike afterwards and I texted Brian. I still haven't texted him back after he sent me a reply. So just trying to, you know, get some information from some of the boys who are homeowners and get a feel for what it's like to have a mortgage on your house. Okay, well, I think that's going to hurt some feelings, Sloan, because we have more than just two homeowners in that's true. the Dynasty community. So Matt, Dylan, Colin, be on the lookout. Sloan's, Are those the Sloan's, only others? Uh, Dylan, Colin. I'm pretty sure, right? Austin. Austin. Tommy. Tommy. Tommy's been what? the longest. I think he's been the longest homeowner of, of us all. That's true. Wow. Sorry, guys. Wow, you've got some texting to do, Sloan. You, <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't have name dropped just I'm saving Tommy for the, the baby advice, the baby wisdom. He doesn't Who knows? By the time you actually have one, you may be asking uh, some other people for advice too. That's a good point. We'll see who's next. I, I think there's actually a decent chance you won't be second. Uh I think it'll be a, a close finish to second based on my conversations with some of the other boys. 
Come back in two weeks and we'll disclose who we think is going to have a baby second. Yeah, that's there you not go. for today's pod teaser. T- today, <laughs> today's is about financial freedom. And what I was telling <laughs> you, Sloan, is um, I just can't wait to have financial freedom. I'm so you don't excited. already feel like you have financial freedom? No, uh, no, no student debt. Correct. I feel like I still need my job. Like I need yeah. it. If I got fired from it, I would be disappointed and I would be like, I need to get another job pretty soon. Like, I just want to get to a point where I don't have to have my job because there are plenty of things that happen at work that I'm just like, I see them happen and I don't say anything about them because I'm just like, well, I don't want to be a problem causer, Mm. you know? Yeah, that's fair. And if you have financial freedom, you can be fully honest at work. And that is pretty sweet, like to be able to do that. I've seen other people do it. And I think normally people actually appreciate when you are that honest, they appreciate the honesty. They want people to shake things up. You know, I think I felt that, I think I felt that freedom slightly when we made the final student loan payment. Cause that was sort of the a next step and okay, great. Now, if I stop working, I, what bills do I have to pay? Right. I don't own a home. I have a lease. And once the lease is up, that's done. So I'm not committed to anything. And I, I think we're in positions where, yeah, we feel like we need our jobs, but at the end of the day, we don't need them because we don't have the big financial commitments. We don't have kids. We don't have a mortgage. We don't have other types of debt that requires us to make these payments uh, regularly. So I think thinking about it that way, we're at a point where we are pretty free financially. Um, now, will we build wealth? If we don't have jobs, probably not. And that's what we want to get to so we can retire and play a bunch of golf and watch a bunch of sports. Yeah, the wealth thing is is definitely important. I, I, I just, I want to not have to work as soon as I possibly can. That doesn't mean I don't, I want to work. Like I would love to do my job. Mm-hmm. But I think that knowing that you could leave your job at any moment and go do something else it has to be a very liberating feeling. Like, you know, you want to have kids, you know, you want to get a house, like that kind of stuff is, it keeps you tied to it and makes you act differently than you would otherwise act. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have those future commitments at that point, you have to work. We want to get to the point where we get to work. Yes. And Mm -hmm. it's not a requirement. You got to talk to Mike about, retiring i mean he just he wants to retire so bad and i love talking to mike about retirement because it's just he's so committed to it and just trying to get there as quickly as possible if you want to talk finances and building wealth with someone talk to mike because he's the one who wants to do it the most so he can just wake up at 10 a.m play some video games every day and and enjoy life that way which i completely respect and i i love that about him yeah, I I do like that about Mike. I the grind for retirement I think is great. I feel like for me, if you would have asked me like a year and a half ago, I would have said I'm grinding to retire. You know, like that's the goal. I just want to retire. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's changed to where I just want to grind to have control over, like, my life, full control. You know, not feel like anybody else can tell me what to do. That's the nice part about having money. It gives you power. When are At you going to get to that point, though? But when are you going to get to that? When is that? Because I feel like every time you take a step, you're thinking about, okay, well, I need to get to the next step to feel good. I feel good right now. I just know that that piece, like I am, I do need the job that I have now. I'm not saying I couldn't get another job that might pay close to what it pays right now, or maybe even more. But I like the job that I have right now and I don't want to leave. And so the combination of needing the money and enjoying the work means that I like have an inherent sense of like, I need to protect this thing and I'm Mm going to probably behave in a way that isn't intuitive in order to protect it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is tough for sure. Uh, How do you think about your job? Like, are you, I mean, you're still pretty early on in your career, right? Cause you just started working a year in a half ago at this yeah, point. Mine my, my career path is a little funky because I I mean, I guess technically I graduated what a uh, six months 
before you, seven months before you. Yeah. Um, and then I worked for a year full time and then I went to law school and then now I'm back technically in my second career as an attorney. I enjoy my job. I like it a lot. I, I really enjoy the work I do. I, this is the first job. There have been two great jo- The two best jobs I've ever had, probably this one and McDonald's. And I mm-hmm. say McDonald's because I was hanging out with my buddies. We had music on back in the grill area. We were just hanging out, relaxing. It was great. It was just a blast working with your buds. Uh, but this job, I really enjoy the work. I wish I got paid more. Um, and I, but I think everybody says that about their job. Um, so, you know, I'll stick with it for as long as I feel like I need to. And if there's other opportunities that are better suited for me, both, uh, career wise in terms of the work that I'm doing and also compensation, you know, I'm not opposed to going to another place to work. Yeah. I feel bad about asking for more money. I hate that conversation. Yeah. Makes oh, I do it gross. all the time. No. You do? You do well, it? Well, I feel like we are I feel like we are severely underpaid as as associates. So I, I try to I take it on not as me saying I need more I need more money. I, I take it on as me saying all of the associates need more money. Mm. So it's more valiant than selfish. That's how I yeah. cope with it. Is it that way in reality? Probably not. I just want more money. I mean, the thing is, that's the nice part about working at a slightly smaller company than Microsoft, you know, that you can't really take on the cause of like, hey, me and 20,000 other people need to be paid yeah. more, you know, like that's getting into union territory at that point. Yeah. And we know that there are some people who listen to this podcast who, who do not like unions, right? I know. Yeah. I'm worried just even bringing it up. I think I, I'm scared <laughs> about what mail I'm going to get, visitors I'm going to have. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if you, for those busters. out there, if you need a union busted, you know who to call. Yeah, we won't mention names on here because political careers mm-hmm. may be uh, sacrificed if there's we all know documentation. Who it is. We know we who all it is, know yeah. who it is. Yeah. For anyway, sure. let's talk about some fantasy football. Let's talk about it. Hey, uh, before we do that, I just hope all of you are saving for retirement. Uh, you know, I care about all everyone who listens to this podcast, whether you're a boy or not. That, that is a real topic. No, I that appreciate you the are, that you are. Uh, mindfully thinking about your life as you get older so how much of your income how much of someone's income do you recommend that they save for retirement what is your your advice i would i mean it it depends on how much you make you know because if you make a lot it's easier to save a lot you know so i i do think uh at least 20 percent of your gross is generally a good rule of thumb that you should be saving that much yeah i agree yeah, saving anything is great. Uh, and obviously, yeah, the more you make, the more raw dollars would be for the same percentage at a lower salary. But save stuff. Uh, I think that's good to tell all the boys. And also, if you're ever, if you ever need help, the boys are here to help you. That's true. Don't be too prideful to reach out if you need help. That's what we're here for. And I and I'll say that myself too. If I ever need help, I'll reach out to one of you guys. Don't worry. Yeah, I ask Sloan for money all the time. So, yeah, you know, I'm the bank, baby. <laughs> I have him go to the lender for me, dress right. up, tell him how it is. Okay, let's talk fantasy. Uh, this is what everyone really came for some hard hitting discussion. This is where Tommy turns off the podcast. You know, <laughs> I will say the first part of our podcast may have been controversial. Controversy alert. Hey, I've been looking at the stats and, you know, people usually turn it off right about this time in the podcast when we start talking about fantasy. (laughs) Is that true? (laughs) No, I don't even know if I can look that up. Oh, man. That would be cool if you could see how far the average listener goes with us. I haven't looked at the actual statistics in a long time. I'm interested to, I, I need to do some actual analysis on it and see where we're at in terms of who gets more listeners, you and me or Matt and Brian. It made me laugh last week because Brian, Matt, and Mike were in the podcast and they and they were like, you know, for whoever's listening at this point, probably just Josh. You know? <laughs> did you hear that or no? I did, yeah. Okay, you made it that far too. Yeah, I did. That made me chuckle. That was like an hour in. Okay, but let's get into it. 
uh, Sloan, you had another good week of fantasy. Um, we had some perform some strong performances from underperformers, typical underperformers this week. First time the table, I would say, saw a little bit of a flip from what it's traditionally seen uh, with, you know, Matt coming in first and Austin coming in second. Two people who have not been flirting with the top of the table in a long time. <laughs> Tommy's probably getting a little scared just with all the injuries that he maintained. I think this is what we we thought would potentially happen to your team. You've stayed very, very healthy this year. Yeah. Uh, but Tommy has been bitten by the injury bug. What did you think about last week, Sloan? Um, I thought it was impressive by the two teams that finished one and two. Um, it, it, it just shows how easy it is to have a good week and how easy it is to have a bad week for each and every team. Um, the underperformance by your team, and I hate to say underperformance because you still put up more than 130 points, but your projections were, I think, 150 plus. Is that right? 155 last week. Yeah, and, and not, that's not necessarily a bad thing that you underperformed because you still came in fourth, and you still have these future weeks where if your projections are ha- that high, odds are you're going to do fantastic. So I think it's, I thought it was kind of not, maybe not cliche, but interesting that you made the big deal. You clearly got better as discussed on last week's, last week's podcast with Brian, Matt and Mike, but you only came in fourth. I think that was a little bit of an anomaly, um, especially with the two teams that came in first and second. Um, that's not going to happen every week. So I think you're going to be top three probably every week for the rest of the season, if not top two, uh, barring any major injuries for a handful of your guys. But um, I'm trying to, let's see who came in, who came in last. Was it uh, Brian? I think that was uh, a, Brian came in last Tommy second last Colin third to last. I think Brian was an unexpected last for me because he hadn't finished lower than uh fourth. to what was that be fourth to last? this entire season. I think Brian's team was coming into their own, but just bad week last week Um, on good, big surprise. When I was watching the actual games on Sunday, I was thinking, man, he made a lot of mistakes in terms of his starting lineup and his projected points were really low, but I think it was, uh, was it, did he have a Sunday night player that kind of went off and really saved his week? I think Um, Dallas Goddard played a pretty good game. Uh, I think that might have been a Sunday night game. Yeah, yep. He got ended up getting 16 or, points, and um, yeah. I think his quarterbacks really turned it around too during their games as well. And Ongood ended up uh, uh, finishing what would that be fourth to last. But here's the problem, though. Problem with Ongood though is he fin- he finally has a non horrible week, but the teams that he finishes above Brian, Tommy, Colin, three teams who you know. You're not, I you don't view as long-term Waffle House contenders. I know last week, Brian, Matt, and Mike said Colin's team is potentially going to Waffle House. I think with DJ Moore and Puka, Colin is in fine shape not to go. There's, there's other rosters that are worse than his. Honestly, I do think that Matt and Austin both have worse rosters than Colin does. Matt's team somehow continues to overperform projections mm-hmm. uh, and expectations. He's been... Uh, overperforming his projection or getting like very, very close to it pretty much every single week uh, since he made that big trade. Yeah, I'm looking back on historical data. Since he started tanking, Matt has only had one week where he underperformed his expected projected points. Yeah, and even Mm -hmm. for the whole season, two weeks this whole season where Matt has underperformed his projected points. So... If you're on good, you're really hurting seeing that Matt finishes first and Austin finishes second. These are two people who are the only two people who could really save you from going to Waffle House or eating wings or whatever. And now you're kind of trapped at the bottom of the table. The gap grows with those people and you're kind of feeling scared at this point. And Matt didn't really have a boom player that uh, this past week that helped him finish in first. He had Lamar Jackson who got him 33 points. But if you look at his entire roster, he had just consistent mid-teens in terms of fantasy output. 
which it's really difficult to have uh, have that across your roster and finish with uh, as many points as you did. You look back at some of the weeks, uh, some of the prior weeks where uh, the number one finisher had a lot of points, and there were a lot of boom guys on those teams, but Matt just consistent, consistent, consistent with uh, some of his players. I mean, Desmond Ritter got 13.8 points. He had three fumbles, and he still got 13 uh, points. Very impressive. Um, and you look at Trey McBride. He was as low as – I believe he was as low as scorer on his uh, starting lineup last week, and he's only going to go up from here with uh, Zach Ertz on injured reserve. So, surprisingly, maybe Matt should have just been tanking this entire time, and he would have done better than he was when he was actively trying to do well. It's crazy how these things work. Nat has looked into the position he's in at this point, and it captures, again, the essence of what fantasy football is. Sometimes you're a team like Ongoods who just every single week is getting hammered by underperformances. He rarely sees any of his guys go off. Um, but he Matt has, has no managed, boom players. No, that's the thing. Matt has managed to build a team of players who, for the most part, can go off. Um like it wouldn't be surprising, you know, if somebody had a crazy week, but Ongood has not had a single player. I would say truly boom this entire year, like to where they were in the 30 to 40 point range. And if you're not going to go to Waffle House or get last place, you need someone like that in order to save you or else you're kind of in trouble. You need to have some boom players on your roster. If you don't have any, then you're banking on a consistent week like Matt had, but that's not going to happen ever. I'm happy I have a guy like Christian McCaffrey and a guy like Tyreek Hill because I know those are boom guys. And even Mark Andrews a little bit on the tight end side, they're going to have maybe 15 to 20% of the weeks that they're playing. Those are going to be boom weeks. And those boom weeks for those players are going to be the points that I need to make the jump to get into the playoffs and not only get into the playoffs, but stay away from Waffle House. Ongood has none of those guys. No boom boys. No boom boys. You need some boom boys. Like you said, you need those high floor, high ceiling guys. Well, and you even have if a they're lot. low floor, I have a lot. I yeah. And lot low floor boys. is fine. If they're, if they have the potential, I think uh, Mike Williams is probably a good guy who has a low floor, but mm-hmm. he can have some boom games for sure. Boom you boys have, for sure. You have a lot of boom boys on your roster, which obviously makes you a really good uh, contender for the title this year. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. I had a bad week last week. I think you can say it's a bad week. I underperformed my projection by 23 points. Bijan Robinson touches the ball one time. and Aaron That was Jones, wild. Yeah, that was... If I was actually competing for the playoffs, I would have been so pissed. But because at this point, I mean... My team making the playoffs, assuming no injuries, like it would take something miraculous for me to mm-hmm. miss the playoffs, like just statistically speaking. But like I said, Bijan Robinson gets one touch. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, and Cooper Cup, all four of those pay- players end with less than 10 points. That's not happening very often. Uh, Kyler Murray's coming back. The team is 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 looking good. We'll see how they hold up down the stretch. Um. But yeah, I mean, it was another very normal week in the league, in my opinion. Outside of the performances by Matt and Austin, and I, I think we're coming to the conclusion of of what this league is is going to experience this offseason. Ongood's going to be in some wings. Yeah, and hopefully he's going to be in those wings at Boys Weekend, which I think would be a fantastic time and place to do it. Uh, enjoy it with your buddies. Um, looking at the playoff teams, Really nothing changed much. Um, You mentioned it a little bit with Tommy's quarterback situation, and I wanted to bring that up uh, right now on the podcast because as of as we stand during as the as of the recording of this podcast, Tommy, I believe, unless something changed, he still has no because right now last week he had Tyrod Taylor and I think he might have started. Did he start Hoyer last week? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So Hoyer's not starting this week. Tyrod Taylor's looking like he's not going to start this week. Purdy apparently has concussion symptoms, which means he might not start this week. 
And then his bench, Jameis Winston is a backup. Fields is doubtful. Andy Dalton is also a backup. What does Tommy do? He might not have any quarterbacks for this, really the second straight week because he had to trade for those two guys that he started last week. I respect Tommy not freaking out to buy a quarterback, honestly. A lot of teams in our league, I think, would see a week like this and be like, I have to go get someone immediately. Is Tommy truly in danger of missing out on the playoffs? This is the bet he has to make, right? If he thinks he's in danger, he should go get some quarterbacks. In my opinion, the team that's closest to Tommy right now, Matt, is a pretender uh, if we're looking at playoff teams. This is a pretender team. This is a team that has overperformed Mm -hmm. uh, consistently, and you can't bank on that. Teams will regress to the mean. So I think Tommy's team is underperforming. Last week, he was hammered by some bye weeks. He's still experiencing injuries, but for the most part, At this point, at least, they're not season enders. Justin Fields will be back. Brock Purdy will be back. So he'll be able to start those guys again. He just needs to make it through these bye weeks. And and this is the table, though. If you you let enough of these weeks slip, you know, say Matt does another crazy week, puts up 10 points, which his team is definitely capable of, that gap between third and fourth could get a little bit more narrow and Tommy, you know, could start to be in trouble. Yeah, I am worried that Matt will continue to perform like he has been and might uh, kick Tommy out of the playoffs, which I think would be a real travesty. I would love to see a three-peat to start off this dynasty league, uh, and I think most people would be happy to see that. But, uh, yeah, it's just it, it, it's those four playoff teams and then on good at the bottom. Now there's a chance that he could skip up ahead Mike and Colin, but really there's no chance because on good would need to make some moves. And if you look at his roster, he does not have very many players. I actually asked him about Dak this last week, and Ongood seems very adamant that he's not moving Dak unless we're unless I'm paying him uh, more than Dak's worth, which I think is a terrible way to do it as a tanking team. I think Ongood needs to... What do you to... mean? You think he should trade Dak? Dak is his only valuable player. If he... if I think he should trade Dak for the price that Dak is worth. first and a 26 second? I'm guessing that's what you offered him? Uh, I can't remember what I offered him, but it was a fair, uh, sure. it was a hundred percent a fair trade because I didn't want to have to deal with any negotiating with on good um, because mm-hmm. I was worried he would go to you and you'd he'd for some reason trade him to you for a lower price. Um, but if you look at on roster, pretty bad roster. And I'm trying to pull up his future draft picks. And I don't believe he has very many at all. He has. He has yeah, go ahead. He has no first or seconds in this upcoming draft. He has no second in 2025. Uh, and in 2026, that's when he has a, a full slate of picks along with Josh's third. So Ongood has no future, near future, near future. Uh, he, he, he doesn't have a good outlook over the next few seasons because he doesn't have the draft picks. In my opinion, he doesn't have the young players who are going to develop into worthy fantasy starters. I think he's got to just, he he needs to make trades to try to find some value going forward. Because I just, what would he trade? I I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I look at his roster and I'm kind of worried. I don't know what his time is five years until he doesn't go to Waffle House. That's That's what I'm worried about. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm trying good players. Like this is what is Dak going to do in five years? I mean, he might, I mean, you have, this is the, this is the problem with the league with not the league, but with this is the, with dynasty Reddit is they love to be horrible. They're like, if you're rebuilding, you should never have a good player on your team. Anytime someone's good, you should sell him and get a bad player in return. Sometimes you just need to have good players, right? sometimes you have an old player that's a vet and that's okay too. You can have an old, old player. If you're a rebuilding team, on good is in a tough spot right now. His team isn't good. He doesn't have good players. He doesn't have assets. Yes. There are probably some guys he could sell, but just about every single player on on goods roster is nearly at the lowest point of value that they have been in the last year. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think any of, I mean, Jordan Love, probably the only one that has actually gone up in value over the last year, but even since the season started, it started to come down. On good needs to understand that he's going to beat ups this season. That is a benefit to him because that means he can make whatever trades he can to try to get value, even if it hurts his current fantasy performance because he's already going to Waffle House. You might as well trade Dak for whatever you can get because if you can't move Dak, then by the time that you're actually competing for a title – it's you're just he's burning a hole in your pocket and he's going to be gone. Dak's going to play in the NFL for 10 more years. It's okay to have a good quarterback. Okay. I I don't know about that, but I, I mean, if I were on good, I would go complete tank and do whatever I can to get my timeline correct for the next few years. And as, as, as of right now, he's not there. He has no plan. He has no players. He has no picks. So he should trade Dak to you for a 25 first. Yes. And a 26. On good. I I will be texting you immediately after this podcast before it gets published. And hopefully we can make a deal before then. There's no way. I mean, if he does make that deal with you, I I know last week, Mike was calling out Colin of like, what's his goal here. But that trade to me is just like, you have one known good player on your team. You don't have to get rid of your good player. So what does he do? Well, if you're him. if you're on good, what is your next step? If I am on good right now, I am working the waiver wire. Like I am working it so hard. Every every PJ Walker I could pick up, every Bryant Hoyer I could pick up, every CJ Beathard I could pick up. I am working so hard to get those players. This is this is this is what's going to happen in the league when your team gets bad. You have to work your ass off to make it good again. It is not easy to have a good team and to maintain a good team. And when it gets this bad, odds are on good getting better isn't just going to come from waiting three more years to have three first-round draft mm-hmm. picks. That's that's not going to be enough to put him over the edge. Well, because I think that's what you do when you're in, in a, a, I would say, an average spot as a bad team. If you're a bad team, you either just have gotten unlucky or you might have current bad players, but at least you have those future draft picks. Anga does not have those future draft picks, so he can't just wait this out. He needs to start making those moves, like he said, on the waiver wire. But is he even doing anything on the waiver wire? That's his problem. He's not making these bids for these players who have immediate value. That's why they're being picked up off waivers. And you got to flip them as quickly as you can, and he's just not doing that. He is not making moves on the waiver wire right now. And in my texting with Ongood, the vibe that I've gotten is that he's kind of like not in it this year. Like he's he I think mm-hmm. he's accepted his fate of where he's at. Um which I get. You know, his team is bad and there's you know, if your team is really bad, putting a lot of work into fantasy football unless you're a sicko like me, it's not something you actually want to do. So I get why he why he's doing what he's doing. I do think that if he doesn't do anything, there is little I, I and I don't think he should make trades. Angud has said I'm not making trades. I my personal opinion is Angud should not be trading. I think trades are what has got him to where he's at today. If he wouldn't have traded, his team would be fine. But he tried to make trades. He made and he made one one or two too many bad trades. If you make two bad, bad trades where you bet on players that don't pan out and you overpay for them, that is crippling to your team. You you have to, you can only make a few bets over the life, uh, over a, a three or four year period in Dynasty until it's really hard to overcome. Do you feel guilty? No. For what no. you did to him? I, I don't feel guilty for what I did to him. Um, I think he's a grown adult and it wasn't just me. I mean, this is what, this is what happened. Who else like, did what you did to him? One, a first for Trey Lance last year. I mean, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. A first for a backup QB. 
that's the bet that's really killing Anga this year. If Anga had his 2024 20, first next year and knew that he could be getting Caleb Williams. Oh, game changer. That's a game changer. You can you could trade that first round pick next year for three firsts. You could trade that for uh, you know, two decent running backs in a first, right? You could get a lot of of value. So the re- the real lesson is here, if you're a bad team or you think you're going to be a bad team, do not trade your first round pick. Yeah. Because if Ongood would have had his first last year and his first this year, his team would probably be fine. He could have sold Bijan for a bunch of picks. He could have sold Caleb Williams for a bunch of picks or real assets, and he would have been in good shape. But if you start trying to get Q with it and think that you can contend when you can't, this is what happens. So I don't feel bad about that. I know Ongood probably feels bad because his team is bad, but you know, there's a road. Let's say he gets last again last year. At least he has his number one overall pick. His pick is pure gold at this point. He should assume that both his 25 and 26 firsts are going to be the first overall. And if he's going to trade them, he should value them like that. To your credit, if you look back at that Trey Lance trade, which was with Mike, Ongood received Trey Lance and I assume P. Walker is P.J. Walker. That's correct. He gave up Matt Ryan, which at that point, not, you know, he was a starting quarterback for the Colts, didn't end up finishing the season as, as a starting quarterback, and now he's doing commentary. Matt Ryan, on good's 2024 second, or 2025 second, and on good's 2024 first. That trade makes no sense to me. Um, now hindsight's 2020, Trey Lance isn't a starting quarterback and he's not even on the same team anymore. That was uh, that drafted him. Was he drafted number one overall? He was the third quarterback drafted. I think in that it went, okay. Um, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and then Trey Lance. Okay. So still, I mean, I guess, yeah, you look at Zach Wilson and he has more value than Trey Lance at this point, but that trade, just having a first rounder in that trade to me, when you haven't seen much from Trey Lance, I know he and he had the injury problems, but we shouldn't we shouldn't audit the value of the trade. Then when the trade went through at the time, I remember thinking, okay, that's reasonable value. That trade though is the kind of gamble that you make if you're a good team and you're trying to buy a quarterback at like a medium low spot to like get your team over the hump. If your team is bad and declining fast, you don't buy a player who's out for the year who has never played in the NFL. I, I, think, I don't know. I just feel bad being mean, like like even focusing on Ongood right now because every podcast he gets hammered. I'm sorry if you're listening. I know, to this but that's Ongood. the story. What else are we supposed to talk about? I know, but it's 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 beating a dead horse at this point. His team sucks. Everyone knows that it sucks. He knows that it sucks. Like let's who do we, let's, let's rip on. Who do you want to let's rip get on a next? little more creative? I mean, let's talk about we, Austin's team. We, I was going like to say Austin. Yeah, him. let's talk yeah. about Austin's team. Austin's team, he's avoided being bad. I think what has happened to Austin's team this year has been the exact opposite of what happened to Ongood's team, a team that easily could have been bad. Look at these starters. Tutu Atwell, Taysom Hill, Gus Edwards, Jacoby Myers, Josh Dobbs, even Matthew Stafford. All of those players last year were bad, not good assets. Well, and they've all turned out to be pretty decent throughout the course of this year. Here's the funny thing: when Kyler comes back, Austin's going to be starting Will Levis, right? I mean, I, I, I mean Bryce Young. He does have Bryce. Oh, Young. does he have Bryce Young? Yeah, okay. But even then, yeah, you're starting really a temporary starter who has done surprisingly well uh, given his situation and jo- uh, Josh Dobbs for he's 16, uh, number 16 quarterback this season, which I think is impressive just because nobody really expected him to do well. And I uh, let me check. Yeah, he was uh, a waiver wire pickup this season from Mike spending or I guess it was right before the season started. Um, with the offseason fab but yeah his team uh not great either um but he has a 2024 first he has two 2024 seconds 
no 2025 first. So he still has decent draft capital coming up. And also the big one, I, he has uh Ty J Spears. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Ty J Spears. That could Not be bad. a good asset. If Derrick Henry ends up getting traded, that's an RB2 right there, in my opinion. Right off his taxi squad. I I, I like Austin's taxi. I don't I like Marvin Mims. I mean, mm-hmm. he hasn't had a great year. Rishi Rice has had an okay. Oh, he's looked great. Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, the the bench is looking good. This is what it, it this is what it looks like if your team is bad and mm-hmm. you don't make a ton of trades that potentially could make it worse. I, I still don't think he's in great shape. He's really wishing he had his 2025 first right now because he gave that up for Clyde Edwards Alaire, who debatably shouldn't even be owned mm-hmm. uh, at this point in the league. And it's looking like he's going to be able to avoid Waffle House. Fortunately, Jonathan Taylor is back and he's playing a little bit more. It'll be interesting to see what he actually does with Saquon Barkley. Do you think he's going to hold him for the rest of the year? Do you think Saquon is, you know, potentially going to go? I don't know who's buying if Austin's trying to get real value out of him. I think somebody will take him, you know, for a low enough price. But 26-year-old running back, that worries me. Because that's, in my opinion, that's sort of towards the, the peak of a running back's athletic ability and uh their scoring potential and i think once you get past 26 27 they really drop off i i think having dalvin cook and leonard fournette this past season and seeing how that all went down coming into this season i think people are staying away from running backs um i think he could try to move them i remember going after saquon in the past and austin would just so adamant that he would not trade saquon for anything but you look at running backs in dynasty nowadays and they're just not as valuable as a wide receiver and it's 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 tough to trade these guys it is i think saquon is probably worth more to Austin than he would get on the market. Saquon is the insurance that he needs. Yeah. Potentially to avoid going to Waffle House. He will have to time it at some point. He probably will want to sell. I don't I don't think Saquon is and this is the delicate balance. Uh he has to keep Saquon on his team long enough to avoid Waffle House, but he needs to sell him before he potentially loses all of his value. So I, I think I think Austin's team is going to be okay. Uh, Like I said, basically every player has had a pretty good outcome this year in terms of where they could have landed, but I think he's looked into it a little bit more. And I just, I mean, every team has had luck, but Ongood's team I think has suffered the unluckiness of to counteract all the luckiness of all other teams, which makes me kind of sad. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, a tough situation for on good to be in because he's not the most involved or into fantasy football. If this were you, I think you'd be scheming to really figure it out as a bottom feeder and had a plan for the future. But I think on good situation is the situation that we were worried that Tommy was going to be in when, when we started this league. Yeah. Fortunately, Tommy had a great, uh startup draft and has made decent moves and he's in the position that he's in winning the first two years and still competing for a playoff spot now but i never would have thought on good was going to be in this position and I, I already said it but i hate to say it i thought tommy would be in that position or even austin and austin's trending towards that position but we just talked about austin has those future assets where he should be fu- he should be fine going forward yeah, the the tables have really turned. And it, it'll be a fun rest of the season, I think, to figure out who ends up in what positions. I think there really is a chance that Tommy could miss the playoffs if he doesn't. He'll really have to decide, does he want to make a move to stay in contention this year? Because mm-hmm. I don't think it's just going to happen. If, if he you know drags this team to the playoffs, I don't think it's good enough to win and it might like i said not even be good enough to make the playoffs so 
does he try and commit to something to, you know, make his team better? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's a, a enough talk on the teams. You want to go through waivers and trades? Yeah, we can talk waivers and trades for a few minutes. There Pretty really small potatoes. Small potatoes, indeed. The there no, I wasn't involved in any deals this week, so things stayed pretty quiet. Uh, we picked up. We had some big waiver ads. The big one was Daryl Henderson. Well, let's even Five go further bits. back than that. Yeah, I mean, you had picked up Malik Willis. I thought that was a fun pickup. What was your thought process in in that? Well, I kind of thought Malik Willis was hiding under the radar a little bit. Uh, Ryan Tannehill goes out in week seven. It was uh, or six week six. And with a high ankle sprain, Malik Willis comes in and plays, takes four sacks, which is very bad. Um, but he plays. And so my thought process was more so along the lines of, okay, I only have 200 fab. This may be my chance to get a young QB mm-hmm. that may start. Uh, you know, I spent over half my fab on that. And unfortunately, $107. it's not going to work out. Yeah, that's tough. Will Levis is going to play. But I don't know. That was kind of just a, a reach of like, hey, maybe he ends up playing and I can mm-hmm. sell him for a little bit if he actually ends up being okay. Yeah. And then Brian or uh, Mike ended up picking up Brian Hoyer and flipping that. Shout out Colin's cousin, Colin's cousin, Brian Hoyer, um, picking up him and flipping him uh, with Tyrod Taylor for uh, a fourth from Tommy, which I think is. Good arbitrage, Mike. I respect it. Tommy picked up Damian Williams for $50. That's really not doing anything, right? Uh, kind of a wasted fab, in my opinion. No other bidders. Also got Matt uh, Breda for two bucks. Um, I don't I don't even know if that's worth two bucks. Um, and then we had, let's see. The Michael oh, Gallup for Sky Moore. Well, I was going to say before that, we had Tommy dropping James Robinson. That was fun to see. Uh <laughs> Having been having been a, a former James Robinson owner, um, sad to see your players fall off like that. But uh, Mike picked up Mike White, and Marcus Mariota, some backup quarterbacks in case those guys get hurt. I think the Mariota pickup was interesting um, with uh, Jalen Hurts. He's a running quarterback a little bit. He's been hurt in the past, so might as well pick up the backup. And then we get to the Michael Gallup and Sky Moore trade. I don't know if I have any, any opinions on this, this. I didn't look up on uh, Keep Trade Cut, the values. Um, all I know is Sky Moore really isn't doing much for Kansas City. And Michael Gallup, I w- wasn't even sure what team he was on, if he was still on Dallas. What are your thoughts? Yeah, nothing. A nothing trade. A, uh, a trade so that both teams could drop the players they just traded for. It's fun to see a one for one player trade like that because it's like, huh, usually there's something in there to like buffer one of the sides out, but this was just straight up player for player. This is like a uh, uh, a redraft league trade where it's just one player for mm. one player. I love to see it. Yeah, this would be a good redraft league trade right here. That's a good, that's a good comparison. And then we had the Daryl Henderson uh, pickup on waivers by Matt. So I, I'll give my, story on this i was getting very confused because a lot of my research comes from the updates on the sleeper app for each player okay i go to the trending tab and i see what players are being picked up um for the most part the top players are players in our league who are already on a roster because of the size of our bench Mm-hmm. So normally it's not that big of a deal, but you see Daryl Henderson and who was the other running back who's on that Royce team? Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman. You see those guys up there at uh, at the top getting picked up. I look at Daryl Henderson's, and it's talking about him going back to the practice squad, and I got very confused. I thought, didn't he just have a good game? Why is he going back to the practice squad? I clearly don't understand how NFL rosters work, but. I had a waiver in there for, what was it, $329. I tried to modify it, I think, to just above the amount of fab that Mike had because he was really the only one I was worried about. It ended up not letting me do it. I did it after 7 p.m., and I know waivers don't process until 7.05, so I was kind of frustrated by that. It was either drop the entire thing and hope that I can get the waiver 
bid put in before 705 happens. Anyway, um, I was happy to see that Matt got him and someone outbid me because I was very confused on whether Daryl Henderson (laughs) is going to play and actually get touches. So based on what you know, Josh, is Daryl Henderson the running back who is going to get the most touches for the Rams this upcoming week? If I had to guess, I would say probably. Uh, it's not some. It's not a player I would want to start. And you know, you can see, I am bidding on this player twenty two dollars. Uh, but did you actually think you would get him with twenty two, or were you just throwing that in there for S and G? I just thought, you know, like what if somebody, what if everyone's lowballing him? You know, maybe they're tired of waivers this mm-hmm. year. Um, yeah, I, he's not a player I'm bidding on like anything serious. I mean, if you're Matt's team, it's a nice asset. Maybe you get a two or three week fill in. This right. is where those middling teams can really make a playoff push by adding players like this. Uh, Cause they can, you know, bump those weekly point totals. If you have open roster spots, I love this move for Matt. I'm glad he picked him up. I'd love to see Matt make a real playoff push this year with the kind of team that he has. I think that would be super fun. So what a story that would be Matt. Ends up not having a good first few weeks. He decides to tank, and then somehow he makes the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I would love to see that also. Um, and then Mike, uh, that same waiver night, Mike ended up dropping Marcus Mariota and dropping Mike White, which was kind of funny. Um, and since then, we didn't really have much going on. Brissett got at it. I dropped Hunter Henry because nobody would give me a fourth for him, and I needed a roster spot. And then B.J. Walker – um, who had dropped him? Didn't somebody had him on his on the roster? DJ Walker has Brian. Been, Brian he was dropped him. by Brian. Yep. Brian said, Oh, I bet Deshaun's back. Yeah. And this no. is purely this is the kind of uh waiver wire addition that uh Owen Good should be making that I'm talking about. Get PJ Walker, try and sell him to Tommy for a yep. fourth. Like get that, get that pick where you can. Right. Yeah. I mean, you gotta try something because you're like we said, waiting it out isn't going to work, so you got to play those waivers. Um, you picked up Mike White. Why'd you pick him up? You know, I think Mike White is the best backup in the NFL that's available right now on our app. I had C.J. Beathard last week because I thought he might uh, play, but mm-hmm. I was just like, and eh, rather have a – if I have an open roster spot, I'll keep a good backup QB on my roster because if Tua goes down, Mike White is a very valuable asset for the rest yeah, of the year he's shown that in the past when he was playing for the jets um in a backup role so uh i don't disagree that that is a a better bet than bethard yep okay cool anything else Sloan? it's been fun I'll give you the chance to close us out i don't think so i think we really went through it um we don't have as much analytical analysis as brian and matt do but we have the stuff that people want to hear. So I'll check the Personal ratings. finance. I will check the ratings to see who gets more views, me and Josh or Brian and Matt. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes going forward. Anyway, I like the, the change up every week with the, yeah. the different hosts. So it's good stuff. Uh, all, right. all right. Close us out, Josh. It's been great. Sloan. Good talking with you. Good talking fantasy. Good talking. Finance, I'm looking forward to what we talk about two weeks from now. See you, buddy.